I'm, I'm really speaking about all of humanity, you know, without exception of anybody, you know. And I, I know that um, a lot of the content in the songs is very heavy, you know, but uh, see, fantasy is what people want, but reality is what they need. And I've just retired from the fantasy part because I realized that. Uh, Rebel up now, lioness roll out. Rebel up now, 
Joyful exaltations and greetings to those who liberate themselves. Welcome to Woman Wednesday. I'm your host, Mariama 
Matinee. Blessings, greetings, and love to all within the listening ear. Tonight's theme is Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Plato's Allegory of the Cave. We're going to start off in the praise up, as there is nothing new under the sun that the Most High has not already revealed. Starting off with Matthew twenty thirty four, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Numbers fourteen twenty eight, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Numbers 24, 3-4 And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. Acts twenty six eighteen, To open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Matthew twenty thirty three, They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Mark 10.51 And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. 2 Corinthians 4.6 For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Psalms 146, 8 The Lord opened the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. John nine thirty nine, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come unto this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. 2 Corinthians 3.16 Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Ephesians 1.18 The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians 5.8 For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And 1 Peter 2.9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. We're going to take a music moment and come back with tonight's theme, Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Blessings and Grace. any time I asked the question who are the real children of Israel and I'd like to answer it right away Go ahead, like any good lawyer in a courtroom he tells you what he's gonna prove All right. and then he goes ahead and proves it and let the jury make the decision The Honorable Elijah Muhammad has said that Almighty God Allah revealed to him that the black people of America are the real children of Israel. And they, we, are the choice of God. And that unto us he will deliver his promise. And more. 
Blessings and grace, and welcome to tonight's theme, Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Plato is known as one of the greatest philosophers. His works have heavily influenced the Western culture. All his writings focused on a wide range of subjects, including philosophy of language, epistemology, which is the study or theory of nature and grounds of knowledge, especially with reference to its limits, and validity, cosmology, theology, discussions on aesthetics, beauty, justice, equality, and yes, political philosophy. He was an ancient Greek philosopher who was born somewhere around 428 BC. He died somewhere around 348 BC in the city of Athens. Socrates, yet another great philosopher, was his teacher, and he was in turn teacher of another great philosopher named Aristotle. He was known for writing dialogues. He strongly believed that dialogues helped to understand an individual in a better way. The Republic is considered his best work, which he wrote during the Middle Period. One of his famous students was Aristotle. It was Aristotle who gave a whole new direction to his thoughts. He believed Atlantis was real. Plato was a strong believer of the same. According to him, the place actually existed some 8,000 years before he was born. He even hypothesized that Atlantis was located close to the Strait of Gibraltar. He believed that the city was lost in a single day by three natural forces, rain, flooding, and earthquake, were responsible for the loss of the city. His famous pupil, Aristotle, claimed that his philosophy was heavily influenced by the teachings of the followers of Pythagoras, generally known as Pythagoreans. Plato was a Greek philosopher and mathematician who was said to have laid the basic foundation of Western philosophy and science. His classical philosophies on human nature reveal the basic truth as well as flaws in the psychological evolution of mankind. In his book, The Republic, Plato covers and explains the effects of many interesting aspects like libertarianism, afterlife, truth, justice, on society from the perspective of a philosopher. The Allegory of the Cave is a story from Book 7 from Plato's masterpiece, the Republic, written in 517 B.C. Its probably best-known story and its placement in the Republic is significant. The Republic is the centerpiece of Plato's philosophy, centrally concerned with how people acquire knowledge about beauty, justice, and good. The allegory of the cave is a hypothetical scenario described by Plato in the form of an enlightening conversation between Socrates and his brother Glaucon. The conversation basically deals with the ignorance of humanity trapped in the conventional ethics formed by society. It covers both the fallen and the risen 
state of man, from the phase where the man is in search of truth, and once he is made aware, all he wants to do is share it with others and free them from the bondage of ignorance. The ancient Greek philosophers believed that philosophy was a tremendously useful skill that should be practiced by everyone. They thought we could learn to live the best life and die well. Plato thought of philosophy as a therapy for the soul, and he dared to tackle some of the most profound philosophical problems with his allegory of the cave. This is the section that led to this musing. In Plato's The Republic, he writes, See human beings as though they were in an underground cave-like dwelling, with this entrance, a long one, open to the light across the whole width of the cave. They are in it from childhood with their legs and necks in bonds so that they are fixed, seeing only in front of them, unable because of the bond to turn their head all the way around. As I read that part, I found that it resonated with the times of now, as most of us are glued to the news unfolding out of our view. The gist of the story is this. Prisoners are chained in a cave, only able to look forward at the shadows on the wall. The shadows they see are real to them, but in reality, the shadows are just the shadows of real objects in the room, and the shadows of the prisoners themselves being projected on the cave of the wall from a fire behind them. The sounds they hear and images they see are real to them, even though they are unaware of the true source. So, so far we have shadows of objects and prisoners on a cave wall. Prisoners chained with their eyes, only able to see forward. Objects in the room being projected on the wall. A fire in the cave. Then we imagine a prisoner breaks free and looks toward the objects being projected and the other prisoners. It's uncomfortable at first, but the prisoner adjusts to realize that they're just shadows, and the shadows were less real than the objects. Then they look at the fire, and again it's difficult and uncomfortable, and the ex-prisoner sees that even those objects weren't as real as the fire. Once they figure out their new settings, they realize that it's their moral duty to inform the other prisoners. Here's the two problems, though. The ex-prisoner's eyes and ears are no longer well-adjusted to the world of the cave, the world of becoming. As so far as the ex-prisoner can communicate his thoughts, the current prisoners don't exactly believe his tales, as they have no frame for understanding these non-shadows. Then the ex-prisoner begins a steep and rugged ascent outside of the cave. Each step in his journey is difficult. Each feels like it did when he first broke free. Bewildering, overwhelming, uncomfortable, emotional. Upon reaching the outside of the cave, he sees reflections in water. Then he looks up to see those reflections are of real objects. 
then again to see that this is all coming from the sun. The sun burns his eyes. Here, the sun, the forms, and enlightenment are all represented by the sun. As we move from becoming to being, from the darkness of the cave toward the true light, as we put aside shadows on the wall and see more true version of the forms, we become enlightened. The sun, that true fire, which the fire in the cave was only mimicking, was the true source. The pilgrim has journeyed from becoming to being. He has become the sage, or approached becoming the sage, rather. Wisdom is a journey, not a destination. Excited by his enlightenment, the sage re-enters the cave, but the problem he had before when he tried to enlighten the other prisoners is now tenfold. His eyes can't adjust well to the darkness of the cave. But when he ran back to tell his partners, they received his news with mockery, contempt, that reflected the disbelief these cave inhabitants felt about what the adventurer was telling them. The man in the myth who decides to break free of the chains which imprisons him makes a very difficult decision. Far from being appreciated by his partners, this decision is seen by them as an act of rebellion. When he makes up his mind, he sets out on a lonely journey, overcoming that wall, climbing towards the bonfire, which causes him so much distrust and awe. Doubts plague him. He no longer knows what's real and what isn't. He has to break away from beliefs that have accompanied him his entire life, ideas which make up the foundation of the rest of his beliefs. But as he moves forward toward the exit of the cave, he starts realizing that what he believed wasn't all that true. Now, what can he do? He must convince those who mocked him that liberty is a reality they can aspire to if they decide to break away from the apparent commodity they live in. The myth of the cave presents ignorance to us as a reality which becomes uncomfortable when we start becoming aware of its presence. Faced with the slightest possibility that there might be another possible version of the world, the story tells us that our innate inertia pushes us to break it down because we now consider it a threat to the established order. The allegory of the cave is a theory put forth by Plato concerning human perception. Plato claimed that knowledge gained through the senses is no more than opinion and that in order to have real knowledge, we must gain it through philosophical reasoning. In the allegory of the cave, Plato distinguishes between people who mistake sensory knowledge for the truth and people who really do see the truth. The path to enlightenment is painful and arduous, says Plato, and requires that we make the four stages in our development. The first one being imprisonment in the cave, the imaginary world. The second, release from chains the real, sensual world. Third, ascent out of the cave, the world of ideas. And fourth, 
the way back to help our fellows. In Plato's theory, the cave represents people who believe that knowledge comes from what we see and hear in the world, empirical evidence. The cave shows that believers of empirical knowledge are trapped in a cave of misunderstanding. The shadows represent the perception of those who believe empirical evidence ensures knowledge. If you believe that what you see should be taken as truth, then you are merely seeing a shadow of the truth. The escaped prisoner represents the philosopher who seeks knowledge outside of the cave and outside of the senses. The sun represents philosophical truth and knowledge. His intellectual journey represents a philosopher's journey when finding truth and wisdom. In the return, the other prisoner's reaction to the escapee returning represents that people are scared of knowing philosophical truths and do not trust philosophers. All of us have an individual cave of our own where we live in a comfortable, happy, and familiar life. But in reality, we are prisoners of the truth. We prefer living a dull, mundane life and blindly follow the set social norms. Then question or challenge the authenticity of the shadows that we've been seeing since childhood. The one who does question is often ridiculed and despised. The liberated man here is like the philosophers who think beyond the set norms, question the reality, and keeps accumulating new experiences and knowledge. Society often condemns, persecutes, and laughs at them, yet these philosophers are willing to voice their opinions and face the truth. If we are to interpret the allegory in a political sense, then most of us would find it would be well-grounded in logic and reason, where politicians resemble the puppeteer who casts or control what we should and shouldn't see. They manipulate the masses who perceive the shadows they see as reality. The prisoners who are content with what they have rarely question or doubt the leaders and their political motives. Plato argues that the one who is aware of the truth should be the one in charge of leading society, as they rule to make the truth known to all alike, without exploiting or misleading the masses. This cave metaphor can also be interpreted on religious grounds, where understanding the existence of a higher power is limited to the prisoners living within the boundaries of the cave, the prisoners' view of the shadows as real objects. They claim to understand that the world based on these shadows and so are not able to perceive the truth. Anything that goes beyond these values tends to lie in the domain of unconventional thoughts, which is often resisted or opposed by powerful religious leaders who decide and control what human beings believe or see. When the situation changes and one prisoner is set free, at first he finds it difficult to adjust, but slowly starts searching and questioning reality. The freed man then feels that it is his moral duty to go back and make others aware of the truth that he has discovered, whether they are worth saving or not. They might deny or hurt him, 
but still the man enlightened with the truth wants to help the ignorant society. The myth of Plato's cave allows us to understand the way a relationship between physical things and the world of ideas, which gives way to a reality full of lights and shadows. On one hand, we have reality just as it is. On the other, we can find a fictional reality where our beliefs and illusions take a main role. The power and capacity of learning exists in the soul already. And that just as the eye was unable to turn from the darkness to light without the whole body, so too the instrument of knowledge can only be by the movement of the whole soul to be turned from the world of becoming into that of being and learn by degrees to endure the sight of being and of the brightest and best of being, or in other words, of the good. Now what about the person who escaped the cave? This represents the small handful of people who dare to think and act in a different way from the crowd. They don't have an imagined shadow reality because they've stepped outside their comfort zone into the sunshine to uncover the true reality of life. These people live a life with limitless possibilities and often change the course of history. It's not because they're better than everyone else that they've escaped the cave. It's simply because they've made a decision to consistently step outside of their comfort zone, face their fears, and think in a unique way. So how do you escape the cave? The key life lesson from Plato's allegory of the cave is to question every assumption you have about the reality you call real. This is a powerful way to develop the skill of thinking for yourself and discovering your own unique solutions to any problem. The more assumptions you question, the less likely you'll make bad decisions and errors that could significantly cost you. It takes courage to step outside of your comfort zone and think differently than you've previously done but the rewards are always worth it. Finally, remember that it's not enough to leave the cave. It's much more important that you stay outside of the cave. Plato's allegory of the cave is a reminder that not everyone will understand or be happy for you when you decide to change your habits and outlook on life. Just like the people in the cave responded to the escaped prisoners who returned, you can expect friends and family to laugh at your so-called stupid or dumb ideas. It's normal to face criticism once you leave the cave. In the end, if you cannot convince them through your words, convince them through your actions, because actions speak louder than words. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the go and gnosis, blessings and grace.
get tomorrow So bold and brave Nothing can stop me now I got the power La di da da I got the power Deep down within my heart Nothing can stop me but Jaja To take me when it's my time So I give my all to Jaja My soul, my heart and my mind It out. Early out in the morning, we'll purge them out With a hot cup of tea, we are steam them out We don't want them to see what them pouring out We got tendencies for those burn them out With a little meditation, breathing out All the negative thoughts, we can leave them out And the negative words, I can clean them out Look how long the Almighty one reaching out To all the dirty souls, I need cleaning out All the stink aromas need breathing out I'm bleeding out, all of the things that be killing us All the stress and the food they be giving us All the lies in the media misleading us These attractive things are teasing us Jumping on the car now, you wanna go You work all late till the sun drop low True, you have a family for feed and grow Yes, I know, you try your best At the end of the day, you still caress the stress Be more careful and protect yourself Cause your body's a temple and that's where you possess the wealth Oh Lord of mercy, who would have thought that them heart is dirty Pretend to help and them really hurt We give thanks for help, so I'm not passing 30 That's why I say, I'm gone away That's why I say, I'm gone away
Double up. Three or four times, I ain't telling no lies. I just run it up. Never let a hard time over us. Double up.
Blessings and grace, and welcome to the Go and Gnosis, your news infused with consciousness, starting off on finance.yahoo.com. A very bad day for our country. TV mogul Byron Allen criticized the Supreme Court ruling on $20 billion bias suit. Television mogul and comedian Byron Allen sharply criticized a United States Supreme Court decision on Monday that dismissed a lower court ruling that had allowed him to move forward with the case alleging racial discrimination committed by cable giant Comcast. Allen, the chief executive of Entertainment Studios, Inc., claims Comcast refused to license his company's channels, for instance, Cars TV and Pets TV, because he is black, claiming Comcast discriminates against minority-owned programming in its licensing agreements. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, based in San Francisco, ruled last year that the case could proceed, and the Supreme Court announced in June that it would hear the case. The Supreme Court's unanimous ruling on Monday sends the case back to the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to reconsider its decision. In an opinion written by Justice Neil Gorsuch, the court ruled that Allen had to demonstrate that but for race, Comcast would have licensed his channels. This is a very bad day for our country, Allen told Yahoo Finance in a statement. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court has rendered a ruling that is harmful to the civil rights of millions of Americans. Allen vowed to pursue a solution through federal legislation. We will continue to fight for going to Congress and the presidential candidates to reverse the statute to overcome this decision by the United States Supreme Court, which significantly diminishes our civil rights, he says in a statement. In its own statement, Comcast said that it was pleased that the high court had restored certainty as to the standard required to bring civil rights claims. The well-established framework that has protected civil rights for decades continues. The nation's civil rights laws have not changed, With this ruling, they remain the same as before the case was filed, Comcast stated. We now hope that on remand, the Ninth Circuit will agree that the district court properly applied the standard in dismissing Mr. Allen's case three separate times for failing to state any claim. Moving forward to RollingStone.com, Department of Justice wants to suspend certain constitutional rights during coronavirus emergency. The Department of Justice has secretly asked Congress for the ability to detain, arrest people indefinitely, in addition to other powers that one expert called terrifying. The Trump Department of Justice has asked Congress to craft legislation allowing chief judges to indefinitely hold people without trial and suspend other constitutionally protected rights during coronavirus and other emergencies, according to a report by Politico's Betsy Woodruff Swan. While the ask from the Department of Justice will likely not come to fruition with a democratically controlled House of Representatives, they demonstrate how much this White House has a frightening disregard for rights enumerated in the Constitution. The Department of Justice has requested Congress to allow any chief judge of a district court to pause court proceedings whenever the district court is fully 
are partially closed by virtue of any natural disaster, civil disobedience, or other emergency situation, according to draft language obtained by Politico. This would be applicable to any statutes or rules of procedures otherwise affecting pre-arrest, post-arrest, pre-trial, trial and post-trial procedures, and criminal and juvenile proceedings, and all civil processes and proceedings. They justify this by saying currently judges can pause judicial proceedings in an emergency, but that the new legislation would allow them to apply it in a consistent manner. But the Constitution grants citizens habeas corpus, which gives arrestees the right to appear in front of a judge and ask to be released before trial. Enacting legislation like the Department of Justice wants would essentially suspend habeas corpus indefinitely until the emergency ended. Further, Department of Justice asked Congress to suspend the statute of limitations on criminal investigations and civil proceedings during the emergency until a year after it ended. Norman L. Reamer, executive director of the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, told Politico the measure was terrifying, saying not only would it be a violation of habeas corpus, but it says affecting pre-arrest. So that means you could be arrested and never brought before a judge until they decide that the emergency or civil disobedience is over. I find it absolutely terrifying, especially in a time of emergency. We should be very careful about granting new powers to the government. That is something that should not happen in a democracy, he added. DOJ also asked Congress to amend the federal rules of criminal procedure to have defendants appear at a hearing via video conference instead of in person with a defendant's consent, although in draft obtained by Politico, the sections about requiring consent were crossed out. But it's not just Americans' rights the DOJ wants to violate. They also asked Congress to pass a law saying that immigrants who test positive for COVID-19 cannot qualify as asylum seekers. As coronavirus spreads through the country, activists are calling on politicians in office to release prisoners and immigrants held in detention centers, both of which can be in hotbed of virus activity, with so many people in close quarters and limited or non-existent supplies of soap, sanitizer, and protective equipment. Some states have already begun to do so, but with this, the Trump administration is taking steps to hold more people in prisons for an undetermined amount of time, showing their priority is not saving lives, but giving themselves more power. Moving forward to Greece10best.com. Earthquake 5.6 on the Richter scale hits Greece as the country battles with coronavirus. Several old buildings collapsed from the 5.6 magnitude earthquake that hit northwestern Greece in the early hours of Saturday. There have been no reports of injuries from the tremor, which struck at 2.49 in the morning. According to the Geodynamic Institute of Athens, its epicenter was 14 kilometers east of the town of Parga, in the region of Thesprosia, the 4.3 magnitude earthquake that occurred 21 minutes before midnight in the area had the same epicenter. The earthquake was felt throughout northwestern Greece in towns such as Ionina, Kurfu, and Preveza. Blessings and strength and grace to those affected by the earthquakes 
and Greece, along with the outbreak of this horrible pandemic. Moving forward to the DailyMail.co.uk, coronavirus lockdown could last 10 to 12 weeks. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin warns millions may have to stay home until June to slow the spread as he nears deal that will pump $1 trillion into the economy and give families $3,000 each. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin shared details on Fox News Sunday saying we're looking at a 10 to 12 week scenario. Mnuchin said, I think the president has every expectation this is going to look a lot better four or eight weeks from now. He said he hopes Congress will vote on a new bill on Monday, combined with actions undertaken by Federal Reserve and the administration. The prospective bill would have a $2 trillion net impact on the United States economy. Nearly one in four Americans, or 80 million, were under orders to close up shop and stay home. New York, California, Illinois, Connecticut, Oregon, and New Jersey, among other states, have instituted statewide lockdowns. Questions about the time it took the government to take action against the spread, Mnuchin said, Nobody expected this to take off at the rate it did. Moving forward to Bloomberg.com, Nigeria has a chloroquine poisoning after Trump praised the drug. Nigeria reported two cases of chloroquine poisoning after United States President Donald Trump praised the anti-malaria drug as a treatment for the novel coronavirus. Health officials are warning Nigerians against self-medicating after demand for the drug surged in Lagos, a city that's home to 20 million people. Two were hospitalized in Lagos for chloroquine overdoses. Orialua Finney, senior health assistant to the governor of Lagos, said in the interview, Please don't panic, she said via text message. Chloroquine is still in a testing phase in combination with other medications and not yet verified as a preventive treatment or cure option. Nigeria's Center for Disease Control warned that the World Health Organization hasn't approved the use of the drug against the virus. Africa's most populous country reported 22 infections as of Saturday. Moving forward to HuffPost.com, white supremacists discussed using coronavirus as a bioweapon. Federal investigators appeared to be monitoring the white nationalist communications on Telegram, an encrypted messaging app. White supremacists discussed plans to weaponize coronavirus via saliva, a spray bottle, or laced items, according to a weekly intelligence brief distributed by a federal law enforcement division on February 17th. Federal investigators appeared to be monitoring the white nationalist communications on Telegram, an encrypted messaging app that has become popular with neo-Nazis. In the conversations, the white supremacists suggested targeting law enforcement agents and non-white people with attacks designed to infect them with coronavirus. The February document appears to show that at least some white nationalists were already taking the threat of coronavirus seriously at a time when some in government were downplaying the threat. According to the Federal Protective Service Intelligence Brief, the discussion of spreading the coronavirus occurred in a channel on the app Telegram that is devoted to the siege culture, philosophies of neo-Nazi author James Mason, and accelerationism. 
Mason wrote a series of newsletters titled Siege in the 1980s that advocated for acts of racial terrorism in order to hasten a war that would cause the breakdown of society. In recent years, Mason's writings became popular among members of the violent neo-Nazi group Atomwaffen Division and its offshoots. Mason could not be reached for comment. Growing numbers of white supremacists have also expressed interest in accelerationism, which involves advocating for extremist attacks with the express goal of provoking a larger societal conflict. Homeland Security has identified white supremacist violence as one of the major domestic extremist threats facing the United States, and there's been a push to start tracking such groups the way the U.S. intelligence agencies track foreign terrorists. We're going to take a music moment and come back with technology, blessings, and grace. Where them waiting on Said them a take orders from England Pussy 
Blessings and grace, and welcome to Technology. Starting off on CNN.com, Toyota is building a smart city to test AI, robots, and self driving cars. Carmaker Toyota has unveiled plans for a 2000 person city of the future where it will test autonomous vehicles, smart technology, and robot assisted living. The ambitious project, dubbed Woven City, is set to break ground next year in the foothills of Japan's Mount Fuji, 
about 60 miles from Tokyo, announcing the project at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, Toyota CEO Akio Toyoda described the new city as a living laboratory that will allow researchers, scientists, and engineers to test emerging technology in a real-life environment. With people, buildings, and vehicles all connected and communicating with each other through data and sensors, we will be able to test AI technology in both the virtual and physical world, maximizing its potential, he said, on stage during Tuesday's unveiling. We want to turn artificial intelligence into intelligence amplified. The new development will be set across 175-acre sites that was previously the home to a Toyota factory. Describing the city as fully sustainable, the company said the project will be powered by hydrogen fuel cells and rooftop solar panels. Once fully autonomous, the zero-emission cars will be permitted to operate on its streets. A fleet of self-driving vehicles known as Toyota e-pallets will be used for delivery and retail purposes. Upon opening, Woven City is expected to become home to some 2,000 people. The first residents will be the firm's employees and their families, as well as retirees, retailers, researchers, and other project partners, Toyota said. The project is a collaboration between the Japanese carmaker and Danish architecture firm Bajark Ingels Group, BIG, which designed the city's master plan. Buildings on the site will be made primarily from wood and partly constructed using robotics, but the design also looks to Japan's past for inspiration, incorporating traditional joinery techniques and the sweeping roofs characteristic of the country's architecture. Smart technology will extend inside residents' homes, according to Ingalls, whose firm also designed two World Trade Center in New York and Google's headquarters in both London and Silicon Valley. Homes in the woven city will serve as test sites for new technology, such as in-home robotics, to assist with daily life, the architect said, joining Toyota's CEO on stage to introduce the city's master plan. These smart homes will take advantage of full connectivity using sensor-based AI to do things automatically, like restocking your fridge or taking out your trash, or even take care of how healthy you are. Power storage and water filtration facilities will be hidden beneath the ground. Above ground, meanwhile, Big's master plan features a plaza, parks, and car-free promenades, with Ingalls stressing the importance of public spaces in his design. In an age when technology, social media, and online retail is replacing and eliminating our natural meeting places, the Woven City will explore ways to stimulate human interaction in the urban space, he said. After all, human connectivity is the kind of connectivity that triggers well-being and happiness, productivity, and innovation. Construction on the first phase of the project which Big said will consist of more than a dozen structures, is set to begin in 2021. No date was given for its estimated completion. Moving forward to businessinsider.com, Amazon, Apple, Google, IBM, and Microsoft worse at transcribing black people's voices than white people's with AI voice recognition, study finds. A new study 
of automated voice recognition systems from Amazon, Apple, Google, IBM, and Microsoft found that they have higher error rates when transcribing black people's voices than white people's. Previous studies have shown that AI systems like facial recognition develop racial bias when trained on data sets of primarily white faces. An expert, Sandra Watchter, told Business Insider, it's crucial we develop more data sets alongside tools to allow courts to detect bias algorithms. In 2018, Amazon scrapped an AI hiring tool it had built when it realized that the tool was systematically discriminating against female applicants. Business Insider contacted Amazon, Apple, Google, IBM, and Microsoft for comment. This is yet another example of sampling bias that demonstrates the discriminatory impact on certain communities. AI expert Sandra Watchter told Business Insider, Compared to traditional forms of discrimination, automated discrimination is more abstract and unintuitive, subtle, intangible, and difficult to detect, she added. According to Watchter, there are two ways to fight against such ingrained bias. Diversify the data set and give courts the tools to both detect and punish when algorithms are perpetuating historic discrimination. This type of bias testing is essential. If we do not act now, we will not only exacerbate existing inequalities in our society, but also make them less detectable, Watcher said. Moving forward to Vice.com, surveillance company says it's deploying coronavirus-detecting cameras in the United States. Athena Security previously sold a system that it claims can detect weapons and video feeds. Now it says it's applying a similar approach to spotting fevers. An Austin, Texas-based technology company is launching artificially intelligent thermal cameras that it claims will be able to detect fevers in people and in turn send an alert that they may be carrying the coronavirus. Athena Security is pitching the product to be used in grocery stores, hospitals, and voting locations. It claims to be deploying the product at several customer locations over the coming weeks, including government agencies, airports, and large Fortune 500 companies. Our fever detection COVID-19 screening system is now part of our platform, along with our gun detection system, which connects directly to your current security camera system to deliver fast, accurate threat detection. Athena's website reads, Athena previously sold software that it claims can detect guns and knives in video feeds and then sends alerts to an app or security system. Athena's new system claims to do much the same, but for people exhibiting a fever. With the system designed to send an alert, if it detects someone with a higher-than-normal body temperature, a company representative told Motherboard in email, The AI detects it. It says I have a 99.5 degree temperature. It notices that I have a fever and that I am infected, an Athena employee says during a video demonstration of the product. Thermal temperature systems are commonly used in China and have been deployed during the coronavirus pandemic there. Civil liberties experts have warned that while new surveillance technologies could have some use during the pandemic, the emergency must not be used as an excuse 
to infringe on basic civil liberties. Moving forward to ChannelNewsAsia.com, Thai hospitals deploy ninja robots to aid virus battle. Thai hospitals are deploying ninja robots to measure fevers and protect the health of overburdened medical workers on the front lines of the coronavirus outbreak. First built to monitor recovering stroke patients, the machines have been quickly repurposed to help fight the disease, which has so far killed nearly 9,000 people around the world. They have helped staff at four hospitals in and around Bangkok to reduce the risk of infection by allowing doctors and nurses to speak to patients over a video link. They can stand outside the room and communicate with patients inside through the robot, said Vaibun Sengbun Dashiri of Shalakagon University. Later models will be designed to bring food and medicine to patients and could also eventually be used to disinfect hospital wards, Vaibun told AFP. His engineering team is racing to build more ninjas, known as such because of their matte black exterior, for another 10 hospitals around the country. Moving forward to TechCrunch.com, the CDC launches a coronavirus self-checker bot called Clara for people in the United States. The United States Center for Disease Control and Prevention introduced a bot over the weekend to help people make decisions about what to do if they have potential symptoms of COVID-19. Called Clara, the coronavirus self-checker was created in partnership with the CDC Foundation and Microsoft's Azure's healthcare bot service. While COVID-19 has been declared a global pandemic by the World Health Organization, Clara is intended for use by people currently in the United States. In a statement, Microsoft said, screening patients who have cold or flu-like symptoms should determine who needs access to limited medical resources creates a bottleneck that threatens to overwhelm health systems coping with the crisis. Its healthcare bot uses AI and is intended to help the CDC answer more queries, enabling medical professionals to look after patients who need critical care, the company said. Clara, however, is not intended to be used for diagnosis or treatment purposes. The questions walk users through symptoms and then gives recommendations if they need medical care. In a statement, Microsoft said that the customized versions of its healthcare bot across all providers who use it are now fielding more than 1 million messages per day from members of the public who are concerned about COVID-19 infections. Moving forward to WI on News. Dot com. Russia to use mobile phones to track people at risk of coronavirus. Russian Prime Minister on Monday gave the authorities five days to develop a system to track people who have come into contact with anyone with coronavirus by using mobile phone geolocation data. Under the new system, people would be sent information if they came into contact with someone who was infected and the same information would be passed on to special regional headquarters set up to fight respiratory disease pandemic. The Kremlin said the measure was legal and part of a raft of measures Russia is taking to try to halt spread of the virus. The measure will trace citizens who are in contact with patients with new coronavirus infection 
on the basis of information from cellular operators about the geolocation of the cell phone of a particular person, which would allow citizens to be notified over the phone if they have been in contact with a person suffering from the new coronavirus, sending relevant messages to inform them of the need for self-isolation, the communications ministry said in a statement. Moving forward to the dailymail.co.uk, researchers create an AI microphone that listens for coughs and sneezes in public places and spaces to predict how many people have respiratory illnesses at any given time, even if they haven't been to a doctor for treatment. Researchers created a device that analyzes audio samples to detect coughs. The device is called FluSense. FluSense has an AI that can estimate what percentage of people in a public space have a respiratory illness based on sounds. After initial testing in four clinic waiting rooms, they found its predictions were strongly correlated with actual diagnosis of doctors at those clinics. According to its co-creator, the device isn't meant to single out individual cases of illness, but capture trends at the population level to see if something is developing that may not yet have been picked up in medical testing. I thought if we could capture coughing or sneezing sounds from public spaces where a lot of people naturally congregate, we could utilize this information as a new source of data for predicting epidemiologic trends, he told UMass Amherst News blog. The FluSense prototype is made by using a Raspberry Pi and fits into a case around the thickness of a large dictionary and was initially tested in four clinic waiting rooms on the University of Massachusetts Amherst campus where its estimates were highly correlated to actual clinical diagnosis. We have the initial validation that the coughing indeed has a correlation with influenza-related illnesses, UMass Amherst Andrew Lover said. Now we want to validate it beyond the specific hospital setting and show that we can generalize across locations. We're going to take a music moment and come back with Herbnology. Blessings and grace. Tears echo of the ancient shore. 
You better eat your greens before the green consumes you. Focus on the dollar and the dream until the body lets down on you. You say the kale's hard to chew, so you'd rather eat your junk food. Stagnant frequency inside the temple. Now it's affecting your mental state of mind. It happens all the time. You better eat your greens, greens, greens. Asparagus, parsley. Cucumber, kale, and don't forget the collard greens, basil, oregano. You know I love my avocado. I'm in love with the cocoa, coconut. Daylight comes, told me I go pick a bunch of green banana, boil it in a stew. So you know I gotta add some callaloo. Eat your greens. Blessings and grace, and welcome to Herbnology. I'll be starting off on the NewYorkPost.com. New York hospitals treating coronavirus patients with vitamin C. Seriously sick coronavirus patients in New York State's largest hospital system are being given massive doses of vitamin C based on promising reports that it's helped people in hard-hit China. The Post has learned. Dr. Andrew G. Weber, a pulmonologist and critical care specialist affiliated with two Northwell Health facilities in Long Island, said his intensive care patients with the coronavirus immediately received 1,500 milligrams of intravenous vitamin C. Identical amounts of the powerful antioxidants are then readministered three or four times a day, he said. Each dose is more than 16 times the National Institute of Health's daily recommended dietary allowance of vitamin C, which is just 90 milligrams for adult men and 75 milligrams for adult women. The regime is based on experimental treatments administered to people with coronavirus in Shanghai, China, Weber said. The patients who received vitamin C did significantly better than those who did not get vitamin C, he said. With that information in mind, I looked up the top natural sources of vitamin C so that the awakened where one's listening can incorporate more of it into your diet. Number one is Kamu Kamu. The Kamu Kamu berry is one of the world's most abundant sources of vitamin C. In fact, one single teaspoon of Kamu Kamu powder has 1,180% of your recommended daily intake. That's 708 milligrams in a tiny dose. Acerola cherry. The acerola cherry is packed with vitamin C. One tablespoon of powder contains 315 milligrams. That's 525% of your daily intake with just one teaspoon. Red peppers. A cup of chopped red bell pepper contains nearly three times more vitamin C than orange, providing 190 milligrams. 
guavas, just one half cup of this tropical fruit, contains 188 milligrams. Kiwi fruit, surprisingly rich in vitamin C, one cup of slices has 167 milligrams, or the equivalent of 278% of your daily needs. Goji berries, the antioxidant-rich goji berry, also contains a good source of vitamin C, providing 144 milligrams in one cup of goji berry powder. Oranges. Oranges are often the first thing most people think when reaching for a natural dose of vitamin C, and with good reason. Citrus fruits in general all provide a source of vitamin C, but one cup of orange segments will give you 96 milligrams, 160% of your daily intake. Papaya. This hydrating tropical fruit tastes amazing with fresh lime juice, an extra vitamin C boost, but one cup serving delivers 88 milligrams all on its own. Strawberries. The humble strawberry packs a tasty little vitamin C punch with one cup of them providing 87.4 milligrams. Broccoli, one of the highest sources of vitamin C in the vegetable world. Kale, there are numerous reasons why this leafy green became a health trend. One of them is being its vitamin C content. Just one cup of this raw veggie boasts 21% of your daily vitamins for vitamin C. Acai berries, Touted as a superfruit, acai berries are chock full of antioxidants and fiber. The juice contains 112 milligrams of vitamin C per 8-ounce cup. Potatoes. Who says all white food should be avoided? One large baked potato with skin contains 28.7 milligrams of vitamin C. Keep in mind that the method of cooking plays a role in this root vegetable's nutritional value. And Brussels sprouts. These leafy, cruciferous vegetables, which belong to the same family as cabbage and broccoli, contain 72 milligrams per one cup serving. Again, that is camel camel powder, acerola cherry powder, red peppers, guavas, kiwi fruit, goji berries, oranges, papaya, strawberries, broccoli, kale, potatoes, and Brussels sprouts. Look to the nature of the Most High first for all your nutritional and healing needs. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the metaphysics of the moment. Blessings and grace.
Ladies and gentlemen, this time around, the revolution will not be televised. As we proceed to give you what you need, oh, nine brothers, get it live, brother. Ladies and gentlemen of the court, and the hero against the state of hip hop versus Jalen Trotter, I present Exhibit C. When I was sleeping on the train, sleeping on Mezzarol Ave out in the rain, without even a single slice of pizza to my name, too proud to beg for change, mastering the pain, when New York niggas was calling Southern rappers lame, but then Jack and I slang, I used to get dizzy spells, hear a little ring, the voice of an angel telling me my name. Telling me that one day I'ma be a great man Transforming with the Megatron dawn spitting out flames Eating whack rappers alive, shitting out chains I ain't believe it then, nigga I was homeless Fighting, shooting dice, smoking weed on the corners Trying to find the meaning of life in the corona Till the five percenters rolled up on the nigga and informed them You either build or destroy, where you come from? The Mac know your projects in the third wall, slum, hum. It's quite amazing that you rhyme how you do and that you shine like you grew up in a shrine in Peru. Question 14, Muslim lesson two. Dip diver, civilizer 85er. I make the devil hit his knees and say to our father, Abracadabra, you rocking with the true and living. Shout out the lights out, Josephine, Chewy Bivens. Shout out the Baltimore, Baton Rouge, my crew in Richmond. Why y'all debating who the truth was? Like Jews and Christians, I was on Cecil B. Broad Street, Master, North Philly, South Philly, 23rd, Tasker, Six Mile, Seven Mile, Hartwell, Brasher. When niggas really would pack a U-Haul truck up. Put the high beams on, drive up on the curb at a barbecue and hop up out the back like, what's up? Kill a nigga, rob a nigga, take a nigga, bust up. That's why when you talk that tough talk, I never feel you. You sound real good and you play the part well, but the energy you giving off is so unfamiliar. I don't feel you. We need something realer. Hit me up on the phone, said what you waiting on Tip hit me up with a twit, said what you waiting on Diddy send a text every hour on the dot Saying when you gonna drop that first nigga you taking long So now I'm back spitting that he could pass a polygraph That Reverend Run rockin' Adidas out on Hollis Ave That FOI Marcus Garvey, Nikki Tesla I shot you like an ill electric field, J Electra Oh my God, Keep They call me J Electronica Fuck that, call me J-Elect Hanukkah, J-Elect Yamaka, J-Elect Tramadon, Muhammad Asalamaka, Rasulullah Subhanahu Allah through your monitor. My Uzi still weigh a ton, check the barometer. I'm hotter than the motherfucking sun, check the thermometer. I'm bringing ancient mathematics back to modern man. My mama told me never throw a stone and hide your hand. I got a lot of family, you got a lot of fans. That's why the people got my back like the Verizon man. I play the back and fade the black and then devise a plan. Out in London, smoking, vibing while I ride the tram. Giving out that raw food to lions disguised as lambs. And by the time they get their seat top and deploy all their henchmen to come at me from the treetops, I'm chilling out at Tweet Stop, building by the millions. My light is brilliant. Records. Don't get mad. More than after. More than after.
I ain't saying, I don't even know why I'm saying this. Jay, you should get pumped to do this over. We moving out. On to the next record. And uh, I'm gonna let this just ride. Physical mind, mind.
Blessings and grace, and welcome to the metaphysics of the moment. I'll be starting off with the Hebrew word Hezapalani. Hezapalani is the shadow looking back upon me, the shadow of my face, my reflected image, shadowed countenance, sorrowful countenance, facing the approaching shades, protection of God looking on me. An Israelitish woman of the tribe of Judah, 1 Chronicles 4.3, has a Palani, the individual soul turning within to God. There was a suggestion of sorrow in the significance of this name too, and it also suggests the truth that all sorrows disappear in the light of spirit. Then the soul enters into the strength of abundant, joyous life and sunshine. The Hebrew word Zelothai, shadow of Jehovah, Jehovah's inaccessible depth, unassailable protection of Jehovah, a son of Shemai, and a chief man of Benjamin, First Chronicles 8.20, a man of Manasseh, one of those who fell away from Saul and joined David at Ziklag, First Chronicles 12.20. Metaphysically, Zelothai, the secret place of the Most High, deep within the inner consciousness and organism of man, or the deep things of spirit that cannot be understood by the carnal mind because they must be spiritually discerned. This name suggests the 91st Psalm, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Hebrew word zela, it means darkness, deep, gloom, shadow, screened, veiled, protected, a wife of Lemek, who was descended from Cain. She was the mother of Tubal-Cain and of his sister, Nama, Genesis 4.19. Zillah, a very great or dense obscurity of thought regarding his true spiritual nature and capabilities that exists in the soul of the individual who is still living wholly in the outer or sense consciousness. Lack of true and clear understanding at this phase of enfoldment is a protection to the individual and in that it shields or screens him from experiences that he is yet not able to meet, yet would have to face were it possible for the full light of truth to enter his consciousness at this time. The Hebrew word Bezael, in the shadow of God, in the likeness of God, in the shelter of God, in the protection of God. This word is formed from the same root that is used in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, which is rendered as image and likeness. Son of Ori and grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, Jehovah filled him with wisdom, understanding, and skill. And he was one of those who were given charge of the construction of the tabernacle in the wilderness and of the priest's garments and of other similar work. This man's work was in gold, silver, brass, and the cutting of stones for setting, the carving of wood, and an all-skilled workmanship. Exodus 31, 2-11. Metaphysically, Bazael, the inner assurance of guarding, guiding, protecting, presence, and power of spirit. A conception of divine sonship, God-likeness. If we have this assurance and conception of being in truth, 
like the Most High, it clears the way for the inflow of divine light and wisdom that we may know better how to handle the substance ideas in our consciousness and our body. These ideas are in various phases or degrees of materiality and spirituality. We need understanding and wisdom as well as the ability and protection of truth in order to mold or build them into a more enduring structure, the body temple, wherein the Most High can be worshipped in spirit. And the Hebrew word Ur, it means light, region of light, east, orient, brightness, brilliance, splendor, fire, flame, blaze. And Ur of the Chaldees was the place of Abraham's nativity, Genesis eleven twenty eight to thirty one, father of Eliphal, who was one of David's mighty men, First Chronicles eleven thirty five. Metaphysically, Ur is understanding, intelligence, active in man, or inner spiritual phase of man's being, whence true light shines throughout the consciousness. And Uri is Hebrew for filled with light, brilliant, shining, illumined, enlightened inflamed, fiery, burning, light of Jehovah, my light, a son of her, of the tribe of Judah, Exodus 31-2, father of Gerba, who was the officer appointed by Solomon to gather provisions for his household for one month each year from the land of Gilead, 1 Kings 4-19, a porter in the temple, he had taken a foreign wife, but gave her up at the command of Ezra, Ezra 10.24, metaphysically, Uri is purified understanding. And Uriah is Hebrew for my light is Jehovah, whose light Jah is. Jah is light. The Lord is my light. Fire of Jehovah. Flame of Jehovah. The Hittite, the husband of Bathsheba, David caused Uriah to be placed in the front of a battle with the Ammonites, where the hottest fighting was done, that he might be killed. Then after Uriah's death, David took Bathsheba for his wife. Solomon was their second son, the first one having died, 2 Samuel 11, 3, 12, 24. There were noted Israelitish priests by this name, Ezra 8, 33, Nehemiah 8, 4, and Isaiah 8, 2. Metaphysically, Uriah is spiritual illumination, which is purifying in character. The activity of cleansing, refining process of spirit, is hindered in man when he lets lustful desires enter the love consciousness. David was instrumental in having Uriah the Hittite killed, that he might have Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And the metaphysical meaning of light Light is a symbol of intelligence. We cannot affirm too often, I am intelligence. I am the light of my world. Light, the understanding principle in mind. In divine order, it always comes first into consciousness. Light is a symbol of wisdom. When Yeshua said, I am the light of the world, in John 8.12, he meant that he was the expresser of truth in all its aspects. And your inner light, the illumination of spirit, resides in the center 
of every man's being. The Hebrew word Zerah. Zerah is rising of light, beginning of light, breaking forth of the sun, sunrise, appearing, birth of a child, germination of a seed, scattering rays, brightness, brilliance, splendor, glory, a son of Judah and Tamar, and twin brother of Perez, Genesis 38.30, son of Simeon, 1 Chronicles 4.24, and Genesis 46.10, this Sariah is called Zohar, a son of Ruel, and grandson of Esau, Genesis 36.13, an Ethiopian king who came with his army to fight against Asa, king of Judah, and was defeated, 2 Chronicles 14.9. Metaphysically, Zerah, rising of light, sunrise, germination of a seed, birth of a child, beginning of light, brightness, splendor, denotes the rise of new light. Understanding in the consciousness, it is the first conscious awakening to the presence of this new inner light or understanding. The Zerah, who was the leader of the Ethiopian army that came up against Judah, signifies a result of the rising of this new light into the darkened phase of thought and man, which results is that these ignorant thoughts and beliefs are stirred to greater activity and expression and so must be dealt with by the people of Judah under Asa, who represents the will directing constructively. The Hebrew word Abner means father of light, enlightener, father of enlightenment, captain of Saul's army, 2 Samuel 2.8. Metaphysically, Abner, the meaning of the name, is father of enlightenment, denoting the transmission of light from the principle of light, the Most High. As the captain of Saul's army, Abner signifies illumined reasoning or the intellect having received some enlightenment from spirit. It is to this power that the undeveloped will must look for protection and safety. When Abner fails in the trust that has been given him, he is considered worthy of death. In other words, just as the illumined intellect represented by John the Baptist must be merged with Yeshua, so illumined reasoning represented by Abner must be absorbed by the all-knowing mind. The Hebrew word Neri, it means Jehovah spreads light abroad. Jah is light, lamp of Jehovah. Named in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Luke 3.27, thought to be the same name as Neriah. Metaphysically, Neri, spiritual understanding, quickened in individual consciousness. And Jair is Hebrew for whom he, God, enlightens. He will make light. He will illuminate instruction, enlightenment, prosperity, happiness. He shall shine. A son of Manasseh, he took all the region of Agarb and called them Havath Jair, Deuteronomy 3.14. A Galadite who judged Israel for 22 years, he had 30 sons, and these sons had 30 cities that were called Havath Jair. This Jair was no doubt a descendant of the former Jair, and the cities were the same. Judges 10.3 Metaphysically, Jair, the faculty of understanding in the individual, receiving spiritual illumination, enlightenment, 
from the Most High, Spirit. When we recognize Spirit as the source of all true understanding, our God in us is transformed into Havath Jair groups of rich, high, illumined thoughts. Havath Jair, dwellings of Jair, habitation of his awakening, lives of his enlightenment, luminous lives, places of light, habitations of happiness, abodes of prosperity. The towns of Galed that Jair, the sons of Manasseh, took from the Amorites and named Havath Jair. Numbers 32.41 Deuteronomy 3.14 Judges 10.4 Metaphysically, Havath Jair. Galed is that high place in consciousness where spirit discerns and witnesses to the truth. Manasseh is understanding, and Jair refers to enlightenment, illumination. Havath Jair, therefore, signifies groups of high, illumined thoughts, which lead to happiness and abundance. Quartus is Latin for fourth. A Christian at Corinth who sent salutation to Paul to the Romans in Romans 6.23. From his name, he is thought to have been Roman. Metaphysically, Quartus, a positive, spiritually enlightened thought that relates to the fourth square, or perfectly rounded consciousness of the individual. A city layeth four square. The length and the breadth and the height thereof are equal. Revelations 21.16 this thought that Cortez signifies is of the head, the reasoning faculty in man unified with the personal will and is now established in love. Cortez, therefore, bespeaks the elevating of these two phases of man, the head and the heart, understanding and affection to the plane of spiritual wisdom and love and the unifying of them in consciousness this is what makes a perfect balance in the individual, makes him foursquare. Quartus, the Hebrew word ashuba, thought, esteemed, purposed, informed, comprehended, associated, a son of Zerubbabel, of royal lineage. First Chronicle 3.20, metaphysically, ashuba, an inspiration or enlightenment of thought brought about by association with and a high estimation of true spiritual ideals. The Hebrew word duel. Duel means knowledge of God, God knoweth, known of God. Father of Eliasaph, of the tribe of Gad, Numbers 114. Metaphysically, duel is spiritual perception and enlightenment. The inner or spiritual knowing. The Hebrew word Haran, it means hold, caved, cave land, black hole, filthy prison, by contrast, enlightened, firmness, purity, nobility, freedom, fineness, liberty. A place on the northeast border of the promised land, Ezekiel 47.16. Metaphysically, Haran, a state of consciousness in man, that belongs to the subconscious realm of mind, or has its root in and is sustained by the subconscious mind. It belongs to the seemingly mortal, material, limited, impure, and obscure. Though it is close to the high-placing consciousness, 
that Galad stands for by holding to the light of truth that it shines upon it from Galad, this thought can be made free from the seemingly material and corruptible and established in true spiritual understanding and purity. The Hebrew word Jashobiem, it means to whom the people turn, return of the people who dwells among the peoples, the son of Hakamanite, the chief of the thirty of David's mighty men, 1 Chronicles 11.11, 11. a Korite who came to David at Ziklag, 1 Chronicles 12.6, the son of Zabdiel, who was over the first course for the first month in serving King David, 1 Chronicles 27.2, metaphysically, Jashobiem, divine intelligence, omnipresent, permeating the thoughts of those who look to the divine source for understanding and the turning of one's thoughts, people, to spirit for enlightenment. The Hebrew word Haran, it means strong, elevated, exalted, mountaineer, a brother of Abram, and the father of Lot, Genesis 11.27, a place where Abram and his father lived after they left Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, Genesis 11.31. It was here that Terah, Abram's father, died, Genesis 11.32, a son of Shimei of the Gershonite Levites, 1 Chronicles 23.9. Haran, metaphysically, is an exalted state of mind, where in truth is lifted up in consciousness and the individual is strengthened in his determination to go on toward fuller spiritual enlightenment and upliftment. Ephesians is Greek for belonging to Ephesus, inhabitants of Ephesus, Acts 19.28, also the book of Ephesians. Metaphysically, the thoughts that belong to the Ephesus state of consciousness in man, the Ephesians to whom the epistle of Paul was written, signify the enlightened and partially enlightened thoughts that belong to this state of consciousness. The Hebrew word Gershom, thrusting out, driving off, expulsion, exile, a stranger there, a son of Moses by Sipporah, daughter of Ruel the Midianite, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land, Exodus 2.22, a son of Levi, 1 Chronicles 6.16, another Gershom is mentioned in Ezra 8.2, metaphysically, Gershom, the sense of strangeness and of isolation that comes over him who has been somewhat violent in his first great zeal to overcome error and to carry out the work that spirit has told him to do. What he has sown in aggressively fighting evil, he is now reaping in being cut off from his old accustomed thoughts and acts, and from former associates perhaps, if his aggression has been expressed outwardly. At this stage, man has not yet established harmony in himself, nor has he really been fitted for the work that it is his to do. He is in a period of waiting and of preparation, a sojourner in a strange land. He has left, or rather he sees the necessity for leaving, Egyptian darkness, but has not yet come into spiritual understanding. Moses was 40 years in the land of Midian. 
It was here, tending the sheep, that he was fitted for his work of delivering Israel from Egypt. He had to overcome all strife and contention in himself, just as each would-be overcomer must do before he can really find the deliverance that he is seeking. Midian means strife and contention. It also refers to a certain enlarging or extending of the senses and belongs more to the mental realm than to the purely physical. There is some enlightenment in the Midian state of consciousness. Raul, the grandfather of Gershom, means friendship of the Most High. Jeriel is Hebrew for founded by the Most High, constituted by the Most High. The Most High points the way, vision of the Most High. The Most High scatters the early rain. Son of Tola, of the sons of Ishakar, he was one of those who were heads of their father's houses in First Chronicles 7-2. Metaphysically, Jeriel, a strong, spiritually enlightened, directive, cherishing, ruling thought, belonging to the zeal faculty in individual consciousness that has its foundation in spirit and receive its impetus from spirit. The Hebrew word lapidoth, it means light radiations, spreading abroad of lights, lamps, torches, flames, enlightened, enlighteners, instructors, husband of the prophetess, Deborah, judges 4-4, metaphysically, Lapidoth, wisdom expressing, radiating, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and light upon my path, the spirit of man is the lamp of Jehovah, searching all his innermost parts. The Hebrew word gia, it means breaking forth, bursting forth, a birth, a spring, a fountain, a waterfall, a place in Palestine. But Joab and Abishai pursued after Abner, and the sun went down when they were come to the hill of Amah that lieth before gia by the way of the wilderness of Gibeon. Second Samuels 2.24 Metaphysically, Ama is a symbolical of the idea that all intelligence, whether of the head or the heart, has a common source, divine mind. Here, an agreement is reached between the executive power of love and the conclusions of the enlightened intellect. Gibeon represents the high point in the silence, which man reaches when he realizes his unity with the Most High. Gaia refers to the birth or breaking forth of new life and cleansing in man's consciousness when a certain degree of illumination and realization is reached through prayer and by declarations of truth. Thus a greater purifying of the whole man takes place and the individual becomes conscious of new health, vigor, vitality, and spiritual attainment. And the Hebrew word jadan. It means judge, administrator, executive, the Maranathite who assisted in the rebuilding of Jerusalem's wall. Nehemiah 3.7 Metaphysically, Jadon, the ability to discern the inner thoughts of the mind and heart and to discriminate as to their real intent. Also, to decide whether they shall remain or shall be put out of consciousness. This ability belongs to the restored Israelitish 
consciousness, or true enlightened thoughts in man. It does much toward bringing about the reestablishing of spiritual worship at the heart center and toward the spiritualizing of the entire organism. Jadan helped in rebuilding of Jerusalem's wall, the rebuilding of the wall and of the temple after the captivity, signifies the uplifting and spiritualizing of the whole consciousness of man, especially his body. Let's utilize this time we have at home to uplift and spiritualize our whole consciousness and especially our bodies so that when the time comes to reemerge from our dwellings, we can shine and make it happen. We're going to take a music moment. Blessings and grace. Rise, 
joining me for another offering of Woman's Wednesday. I'd like to show love to the frequency that accompanies me. The music, J. Electronica, Fruits of the Spirit, Georgia Ann Muldrow, Vital Transformation, Queen Omega, Transform, J. Electronica, Exhibit C, Kings of House NYC, featuring Julie McKnight, Still Here, David Morales' Disco Juice Mix, F-Soul, Greens, K Suzuki, featuring Babakar Dieng and Jali Keba Suso, Music, At Jazz Remix, Bodhisattva, featuring Yuba, The Depth of the Source, The Black Opera, featuring Georgia Ann Muldrow, Beginning of the End, Dave Anthony, featuring Eman, Tree of Life, at Jazz Remix, Kaz Ear, His Story, featuring Gil Scott Heron, Original Mix, Rima, Don't Want Nothing, Nipsey Hussle, Double Up, featuring Belly and Dom Kennedy, Vanny Fox Remix, Courtney LaFloy, No Time, Ricked Pure Root Remix, Kalissa and Kaznamdi, Live for Today, Vanny Fox Beats, Impulso, Original track, Toby Nwigwe, Shine, Lovejoys, Jylite, J Electronica, The Overwhelming Event, The Whitefield Brothers, featuring Bachka, Earthology, Miss Ryan Nicole, Save the World, Yeza, Rebel Impress. Remember that you are water. Cry. Cleanse, flow. Remember that you are fire. Burn, tame, ignite. Remember that you are air. Be still, focus, decide. Remember that you are earth. Ground, build, give. Be you till full love, so that you can rise and ascend. Blessings, grace, love, strength to all. Uh, 
I snap on the track like the fingers of Thanos. Como también nosotros perdonamos. A los que nos ofenden. Saw love, all Wimbledon with the pendant. All I have in this world is my flag and my sword. I'm on the battlefield with the flag of my lord. My shahada is my cantata. My heart chakra light up when I make signs that faja. Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo. Our heavenly father. Like Vince Staples said, we just wading in the water. My people out in Flint still bathing in the slaughter. Ice out here ripping families apart at the border. Satan struck Palestine with yet another mortar. Lies from the reporters. Ass shots and stripper poles for the eyes of my daughter. Hmm. Swing low, sweet chariot. My train is on schedule, but I had to take the underground railroad like Harriet. Weave the whole industry, every jab I parried it. My cross, I carried it. My crown of thorns to Calvary from Nazareth. The orbit was too wide to calculate the azimuth. The journey was technically unexplainable hazardous. Rise young gods, all paths lead to Lazarus. The dry bones that lifted up from the valley dust. The prayers of the slaves are the wings that carry us. A field full of dreams is where they tried to bury us. 